0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His Church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I have the privilege this morning of continuing our Courageous Prayers series. You may remember that last week we started this series, Pastor Tone, was speaking and we started off by saying you know what there are some safe prayers that we pray safe prayers like bless me safe prayers like heal me safe prayers like give me or prosper me and there's nothing wrong with these prayers but they are a little bit safe basically because when we pray them when they get answered it's all for our blessing." Bless me, heal me, prosper me, give me. There's, it, it's all upside for us. And so there's a, a safe prayer. Is there anything wrong with these prayers? Not at all. They're biblical. We're told to pray them. We pray them on a regular basis. There's nothing wrong with these prayers. But there are some prayers that take a little bit more courage to pray. They're prayers that take us out of our comfort zones. They're prayers that show us where we're really at. They show us some of our weaknesses. They show us some of our insecurities. And it takes courage to pray them. For a lot of these prayers, there's usually some short-term pain involved to get to long-term gain. And Pastor Tony started this series last week. He looked at Psalm 139 and he looked at the verse, search me, or the prayer, search me. And you may remember, he spoke about search my heart, search my head, search my hurts, and be my help. Now, I'm not here today to re-preach that message. All of our messages are available for free download via iTunes or on our website And I would encourage you to do that because last week's message is one of those messages that I think we can listen to on a regular basis and always benefit from. Today, I'm going to look at the courageous prayer Teach me. Teach me. Now, I know for some people in this room, you're probably going, Teach me? That's not courageous. I went to school, I was taught. I've sent my kids to school. They were taught. Maybe you've gone on to further study. Maybe you've done an apprenticeship. I was taught. In fact, if I think about it, I'm being taught right now. How's that courageous? Well, I think that teach me is a courageous prayer based on two things. The first thing is our attitude. And the second is how we define learning. You see... Before working at Victory, I was a high school maths teacher. I have officially been trained in torture. (laughs) And I used to teach in senior school. And at year 11 level, stage 1 level, maths was a compulsory subject. And there were predominantly three main attitudes that I saw of students that came into my class. Firstly, there were those that loved maths. Love knew what they were doing. Loved getting into my class. But to be honest with you, there probably wasn't very many of those. And then there was a group of people who, you know what? Maths isn't my thing, but I have to do it. It's compulsory, so I'm going to make the best of this situation. They may not have been gifted for it, but they tried hard anyway. But then there was this third group of people that came into my classroom. And they were in my classroom physically because the timetable told them that they had to be in my classroom. They didn't want to be in my classroom. And because I was the teacher, that made me the enemy. And the attitude wasn't particularly positive. And yet I found, to be honest with you, For those who came into my class loving maths, they usually did really well because they had that natural bent, that gift, that desire to study. For those that came into my class and made the best of a bad situation or what they thought might be a bad situation, those students always passed. For those students that came into my class with a negative attitude or saw me as the enemy, the results usually reflected that. You see, there's a saying out there that our attitude determines our altitude. And I never had a student fail that didn't try. And so a positive attitude is something that is always going to help. You see, for some of my students... They had an attitude of, teach me, I dare you. And teach me, I dare you, isn't courageous. Teach me, I dare you, is defiant. Teach me becomes courageous when it comes out of a place of humility. When it comes out of a place of recognising lack, either recognising a lack in ourselves or someone else coming alongside us and helping to point something out, Teach Me becomes courageous when I realise, you know what, there's something in me that needs to change. Teaching, uh, sorry, Teach Me becomes courageous with that desire to do things God's way. Because Teach Me to change is difficult. Change is difficult at the best of times. And so, teach me becomes courageous when we come with the right attitude. Can I just encourage us right now? Where you're sitting, let's just do a quick attitude check. Right now, am I leaning in or am I leaning out? Do I have a teach me I dare you attitude? Or do I have a, God, there's stuff in me that needs to change, please teach me, attitude? Because one thing I do know, when we adopt a humble attitude, and that can happen in a moment, when we adopt a humble attitude and say, God, teach me, we're in the perfect place to learn something new. The other thing that makes teach me courageous is how we define learning. You see, for me, there are three components to learning. There is the listen, there is the watch, and there is the do. Again, think back to maths at school. You were sitting in that class, hopefully with the right attitude, you were sitting in that class and the teacher would tell you what to do. The teacher would put an example on the board and show you what to do. And then the teacher would set 20 exercises out of the textbook so that you could apply what it is that you were learning. See, the student's responsibility is to listen when the teacher tells, pay attention as you're shown, watch, and then apply what it is that you're being taught. Let's look at a different example. Let's look at learning to drive. When you learn to drive, the instructor is there. The instructor will tell you what to do. Probably one of the very first things they tell you is where the brakes are. Whatever happens, anything goes wrong, brakes. The instructor will show you what to do. They will show you where the brakes are. But then, there's that awkward moment where you sit behind the wheel and you need to apply what you've been told. Where's the courage needed? See, listen, watch, do are all important. But where's the courage needed? Is the courage needed in the listen? No. Is the courage needed in the watch? No. The courage is needed in the do. The courage is needed when you get behind the wheel for the first time, shaking, going, please be all right. At times, we fool ourselves into thinking that we've actually learnt when we've listened and we've watched. If we've listened and we've watched, but we don't do, have we really learnt anything? You see, a theoretical knowledge of Christianity isn't Christianity. Christianity. Christianity is having a personal and practical relationship with Jesus Christ himself. See, unfortunately, well, not even unfortunately, there is a word that is given to people who have listened and watched, but don't do. There's a word given to people who say, but their actions don't line up with what they're saying. And it's not a nice word. It's the word hypocrite. Church, can I encourage you today? Let's just do a quick stock take. Where is it that we've got stuff in our head but we haven't yet put into practice? Let's do a quick stock take and go, you know what? If I've really learned this, then I need to apply it because it's in the application that we avoid hypocrisy. Let's not deceive ourselves. Just because we've got something in our head doesn't mean we've applied it into our lives. In our remaining time together, let's look at a courageous teach me prayer. We'll find it in Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40. And it will be up on the screens behind me. It says, "'Teach me your decrees, O Lord. "'I will keep them to the end. "'Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. "'I will put them into practice with all my heart. "'Make me walk along the path of your commands, "'for that is where my happiness is found. "'Give me an eagerness for your laws "'rather than a love for money.'" Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. Wow, what a prayer, hey? What a courageous, courageous prayer. Three things that as I read this prayer that stand out to me. The first one is, teach me love. In verse 35 and 36, it says, Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love. For money. Let me just talk a little bit about the context here. So, this passage found in Psalms is in the Old Testament. It's before Jesus was here. And so, when this psalmist writes, Give me a love for your commands, what he's talking about are the Ten Commandments. When he says, Give me a love for your laws, what he's talking about is the Pharisees had actually made up 600 laws on top of the Ten Commandments. To follow. And at that time, it was these laws and commandments that were showing people how to relate to God. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus changes things. So let's look at a New Testament context of what we're talking about. You see, in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, With his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus just took 10 commandments and over 600 laws and summarised it down into two things. Love God with everything you've got. Love God with everything you are. And love people ...as you love yourself. It begs the question... ...where's your love at? Where's your love at? Gee, Ashley, that's not very nice. That's a bit challenging. Yeah, it is. It challenged me this week as I was looking at it. Because internally, I know that I am selfish by nature... I know that there's this natural bent in me just to look after me and mine. And yet Jesus very clearly says, love God with everything you are and love other people as yourself. Jesus actually went on to define who your neighbor was it was straight after this command that Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that that parable was offensive to the Jews because they saw the Samaritans as less than human, basically. And yet Jesus is saying, we need to love everyone. Quite often, when we look at this our responses go to two extremes. The first response is, oh, it's too hard. I can't do that. What I'll do is I'll rationalise it, box it, and put it aside. Or we go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that love thing. Oh, I'm terrible. Oh, God, oh, no, 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 no. And we condemn ourselves. Both responses are wrong. If the Holy Spirit is getting your attention, like the Holy Spirit got my attention this week, all we need to do is give a right response. Don't box it and put it aside. Don't let it condemn you. But if the Holy Spirit is getting your attention, work with him. And make the adjustment that he's asking you to make. Teach me love is a courageous prayer. Because when you pray it, God just doesn't download the love package to your spirit. When you pray, oh, teach me love, Lord, it's not like all of a sudden the feelings come. And all of a sudden, the world is rainbows and butterflies and we levitate everywhere, just exuding love. It doesn't work that way. When we say, teach me love, what God gives you is his grace. And then what he gives you is situations and circumstances to appropriate that grace. Now... Through natural eyes, these situations and circumstances look inconvenient. The situations and circumstances just look like hard work, if we're honest. But teach me love means that those situations and circumstances are there to form God's love and God's character in us. And so we need to embrace those situations we need to stop looking at our circumstances through natural eyes and going oh that's too hard but we need to look at our situations and circumstances and say Lord what are you trying to teach me here what do you need me to do here how can I love here See, that brings me to another question, and the question is, when was the last time you said yes to a God adventure? You see, when these situations and circumstances come across our paths, it's all too easy to go, whoa, too hard. But when was the last time you said yes, I'm in God? When was the last time God was stirring you and you went, yes, I'm in When was the last time you said yes to the God adventure of spending time with him on a daily basis? Or when have you said yes to giving? Said yes to generosity, said yes to volunteering, said yes to joining a connect group, said yes to leadership... Because these are the situations and the circumstances that God gives us to help us to develop our love. Church, can I encourage you today? Take action. If you're not sure how to do those things, why don't you come and ask one of our leadership team or head to the Resource Centre and put your name down because we would love to help you say yes to that next god adventure the second thing that i see in this package passage is teach me holiness for those who know me you know that i like camping you know that i like four wheel driving you know that i like getting remote There's something about that red dust in the outback that calls me. I know it's weird, but that's okay. But to be honest with you, when I can't get there, I actually like reading about it. I like reading up about the places I could go. I like looking at how I can modify my four-wheel drive so that I can get there. I like looking at camper trailers and camping stores and caravans. Last week, I went down to our local corner store because we needed some bread and milk, as, as you do. And I don't know how it happened, but, but this just mysteriously appeared in my shopping basket. And I got home and my wife said, ''Oh, did you get the bread and milk?'' And I went, Whew, yes.'' Lucky. What else? No chocolate. I, I didn't buy chocolate, dear. We were good. What else did you buy? Oh, maybe I bought this magazine. In verse 37 of the passage we looked at, it says, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word this verse caught my attention because let's face it, we don't normally have to turn our eyes away from worthless things I was driving Liam home from soccer the other night and as I was driving down McIntyre Road there was a big pile of rubbish, literally someone had just pulled over, chucked it all out, driven off now I didn't have to force myself to turn my eyes away from that alright, it was rubbish and I went, Phew. Council will have to fix that and kept driving. I didn't have to turn my eyes away from worthless things in that scenario. Oh no. You see, I don't think this passage is saying, Turn your eyes or help me turn my eyes away from things that have no worth. I think this passage is saying, Help me turn my eyes away from things that don't have eternal significance. Is this magazine wrong in and of itself? No, it achieved its purpose for me. It gave me an hour of relaxation while I sat down and flipped through it. It's not wrong in and of itself. However, if I spend more time looking at four wheel drives, camper trailers, caravans, camping stores, magazines than I do with God, I have a problem. I have a problem. I need God to help me turn my eyes away from worthless things, those things that don't have eternal significance. Just like I have a natural bent towards selfishness, I have a natural bent towards materialism. You see, this magazine is more than 50% ads. Most magazines are. And yet the crazy thing is, is that when you're at home watching TV and an ad comes on, what do you do? Flick channels, get up and get a cup of tea. You do anything to avoid the ads. And yet here I am buying a magazine which is more than 50% ads. It makes no sense, but it appeals to my materialistic nature. And we need to be able to put that aside and get our priorities right, to focus on Jesus. We need to make sure that our material possessions don't possess us we need to make sure they're in their rightful place. The passage goes on in verse 39. It says, "Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good." Again, that's in the Old Testament. Let's bring a New Testament context to it. In Hebrews 12:1, it says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, learning his holiness comes down to keeping our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and ridding ourselves of the sin that entangles us. And this again is where Pastor Tony's message from last week is so critical. When Pastor Tony spoke about search me, find those offensive ways in me and help me deal with them. The final thing that I see in this passage of scripture is teach me security. In verse 38, it says, Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. You see, when the psalmist asks to be reassured, it speaks to our deep need for security. See, the reality is, is that we are all riddled with insecurity. We had uh, Pastor Paul and Marie de Jong with us a couple of weeks ago. And he referred to his book, Isolating Insecurity. Let me encourage you, if you are insecure, let's stop that. We are all insecure. Let me encourage you. This is a book that's really helped me and I would encourage you to have a read of it because I'm sure it will help you as well. The premise of the book is that insecurity in us creates a blockage that stops us from reaching our God-given potential. Pastor Paul says that you won't actually be able to ever get rid of insecurity because it's in our minds. But what we can do is learn to isolate it and starve it so that it doesn't stop us. How do we get rid of this insecurity? How do we help up, help to isolate it? In Matthew 7, verses 24 to 7, it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The only way that we can find real security is to know Christ and to know the teachings... ...that he has given us. You see, we live in one of the most blessed times in history... ...with our access to scripture. We don't only have a portion of scripture, we have the whole Bible. But not only do we have the Bible, but we have commentaries... ...and other books and other teaching aids as well. Never before has so much information been available to us... ...and usually off the phone that we carry in our pocket. And yet I know that it's not access to these things that cause us the issue. It's our busy lifestyle. It's being caught out. It's not prioritising time to spend with him. Every time I find myself praying, God, teach me security. I often hear God say back to me, read your Bible. And I go... Okay. Church, can I encourage you? I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're facing. But let me tell you, the Bible is full of promises that speak directly into the situation that you are facing And the way that we get over them, the way that we get our security is by reading those promises, by meditating on those promises, by getting God's word into us and allowing his word to shape us and how we feel. Whatever you're facing today, find that promise and hold on to it for all it's worth. In 2 Peter 1 verse 4, It says, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If I can ask the band to come as I conclude. Church, can I encourage you today Let's couple the prayer, search me, from last week, with the prayer, teach me, from this week. Allow God to come and reveal in us what needs to change and then allow God to come and teach us how to change. Let's not shy away from these courageous prayers because they take us out of our comfort zone but let's embrace all that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're always with us. Father, I thank you that you long to teach us. Father, I pray that you will come and help us. Father, teach us your ways, particularly teach us your love, your holiness, and your security. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.